Lincolnshire. Non-league radio. The home of live commentary on lower league football in South Lincolnshire. Hello and welcome to the Lincolnshire Non-League Radio Podcast, sponsored by DWV, Timber Engineering and Angels Taxes of Boston. My name is Tom, commentator on the station, and this week we are joined by the player, man- by the player manager of Harrowby United, Jamie McGee. First of all, Jamie, thanks for coming on. How are you? Yep, uh, no problem at all. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. As I said, uh, thank you for coming on. So in this uh, podcast, we'll be talking about Harrowby's season so far. Jamie's time in the game, plus the fifth instalment of the Football Pub Quiz. So as I said, we will start with Harrowby United. So you started off quite well. You got some decent results along the way, but then you could also say there's been a few disappointing ones as well. You're currently in eighth in the league. I mean, how would you sort your season so far? Um, yeah, it's we're not where I would lo- where I'd like us to be, um, but we're still doing pretty well as well, in my, in, in my honest opinion. Um, we started really well, like you said. We had some really good results. Um, we were playing really well, actually. But we had a tough two months where unavailability and we were hit with injuries and trying to get signings over the line and, and not able to, to make it happen left us short for a good sort of six or seven games. And we were going to games with 12 and 13 players. And I know that's been across the board for a lot of a lot of teams across every league really um but we just yeah we we struggled and um it it was no no detriment to the players I've got I'm really really pleased with every single player I've got but um obviously going to games with only you know 12 or 13 and sometimes I would play as well um and I'm not I'm not fit or anywhere near fit where I should be um kind of just didn't allow us to have the options to change things in in certain games. So, but credit to my to my lads, every single one of them, they they dug in deep for me and and did really really well. And we were just unlucky in games, falling the wrong side of of a decision or or just the wrong side of a of a result. So um, hopefully the turn of the new year, we've you know we've we've slipped up a couple of times in in my opinion in terms of lost two points when it should have been three. Um, but generally, I'm 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 fairly happy. I'm fairly happy with how it's gone so far. Uh, during the season, you've had some uh, really quality strikers like Jack McGovern and, of course, Danny Durkin, who's uh, recently joined Sleaford. But they both have scored plenty of goals for Harrowby. I mean, how influ- how influential are players like those to your team? Oh, they're so so good for for any team, um, but for us to actually get them both this season together as well was was a real sort of you know a real statement from us um you know it worked out really well for for jack to come to us he's got a, a thriving business so he's he's really really busy so obviously at this sort of level as much as we want the commitment it's nothing like having the commitment that you need to play step two three and four and five um so it, you know it worked out really well for us and and for Jack, um, same with with Dirks. To be fair, I've been chasing Dirks for for a long, long time. I've played with him previously at other clubs, and uh, he was just a, he's just a proven goal scorer. Um, and the numbers speak for themselves with us this season. How many Dirks got and how many uh, Govies got for us so far? So, for any club to find 
players like that that can score goals regular and sometimes they're not even in a game and they'll pop up you just know they're going to pop up with a goal so yeah it's been it was really really good to to have them both and obviously you've still got um got Govey now um and he's he's just been been so good for us uh, with Danny Dirk, and of course he scored uh, quite or plenty of goals for Harrowby. I mean, what you expecting him to maybe go to a club higher up there, or in, for example, the league above, like he did to Sleaford, or of course on a bit of a rise at the moment. I mean, did you expect him to maybe leave the club eventually? Um, I probably did. So I mean, I've, I've you know Danny's been you know I've known Danny for a long time, good friend of mine, um, and I always said to him. Whatever happens, if a club comes in from higher, I don't want to stop anybody progressing themselves. I want them to, you know, get to the best level that they can get. Obviously, as a manager, ideally, I would have liked him to stay stay with us and and see where we can go go with that. But, you know, Sleaford, the, the signings Sleaford were making were real statement signings as well. Um, and I know Dirks has played with a lot of those players. So I would dare say that... That was the factor. Um, obviously, it's a league above. They've put um, a blueprint down for what they want to do. And Ward, you know, Tom Ward, real good guy. I've known him for a long, long time as well. And and he's on a similar process to what I was on when I first joined Hel- uh, Harrowby about building a side. Um, so I was gutted to, to lose Dirks, but in the same breath, I'm not going to stop a player, you know, going, going a league above. Um and I think at that time that he did leave, we were wanting playoffs. Um, but our results in that spell has made it very sort of hard work for us. So, I, I, you know, in that respect, Dirks wants to win things, um, as every player does. And that's a mentality that isn't in players so much anymore. So you can't stop players wanting to go and achieve stuff. And and I think with Sleaford being in that league above and and getting safe now, I think the uh, the building blocks are in place for them to have a real challenge next season. So I think that's probably what appealed to him. Yeah, of course. I mean, you uh, mentioned the playoffs. I mean, you are, as I said, you're currently in eighth position. Uh, you're 13 points off fifth, which is the the, the lowest uh, playoff position. I mean, what are your aims for the rest of the season? Do you think it's still possible for Harrowby to get the way into the playoffs? I, as a manager and a player, I will always look at it that it's it's possible until it's impossible um so once it's mathematically impossible to make it then then you know we'll have to accept that but the way that our league has been for every club to be fair a real unknown um teams are slipping up all over the place and you're looking at results on Saturday wow so and so beat so and so and you know I look at our our last re- three results, um, and no disrespect to these clubs, but the games that I, I earmarked us for, for winning, and we, we drew with Holwell, we drew with Bourne the other night, and we drew with Borowash. You win them games, you then become five to seven points behind the playoffs with about 13, 14 games to play. So it, it becomes more achievable. Um, but we've made it hard work for ourselves. But I think if we can put a little run together, which we haven't really done this season... If we do it now at the right time, there's a possibility it could happen. I mean, there's no pressure on us. There's no pressure on our lads. Like, we've just got to go out and, and, and put a performance in and, and ultimately get the win. And I've said to the players, I'm not bothered how good or bad we play. 
you're coming away with a 1-0, it's three points that go on the board. It's three points closer to our target. So we'll, until it's impossible, we'll be, we'll be striving to make it as interesting as possible. That's for sure. So say if you didn't reach the playoffs this season, is that definitely the aim for next season? I will definitely be um, setting us up <clears throat> for for more than the playoffs. I mean that's a that's a big statement, obviously, but I think figuring out how this league is, I've built the side for the last three seasons. Obviously, we've had a couple of disrupted seasons in that, but I'll be aiming to to at a minimum make playoffs. But we will want to be challenging with the top top two, top three in that league next season. That's that will be our aim. Um, the club are doing great things off the pitch to to get the ground up to up to spec and a new extension and things like that. The, the pitch is pitch is well looked after as well. So everything off the pitch is in place. <clears throat> they just need uh, need the manager to make sure it happens. So, so hopefully, hopefully I can. So if you are still in the United Counties League Division One next year, of course you've got uh, potentially some more local teams uh, coming well being relegated from the Premier Division. So you've got Holbeach, which is looking likely at the moment. They will go down. Yeah. And then you've potentially got Pinchbeck or Selston. Of course, Pinchbeck is kind of more local, but Selston's only in Nottinghamshire way anyway. But uh, with uh, those three, and of course you've got Blackstones and Bourne as well. I mean, how good is it to have, how good would it be to have more local derbies in Division 1? Oh, it'd be great. I mean, every time we've played We've played Bourne. I mean, Bourne have got a great following, home home or away. So it's always a great, great occasion, if you like, when we play Bourne. Um, but, you know, our next one, like you say, Blackstones as well. Very tough, tough game. Really, like every time we've played them, really good club as well. Good people down there. Um, and then our, our only other one, really, is like your Holwells, who, who are, you know, Melton way. So it would be great to have more of that because obviously we're quite a Nottingham Leicestershire based league um, so there's a lot of derbies in there and we only have sort of one or two so yeah it'd be really good because obviously more people come through the gate on a on a derby day so yeah it'd be really good to have to have that. So um, going back to the beginning with your time at Harrowby I mean how did you originally get the job as player manager was you player there already or did you just go straight right. into the role? Um, so I'd had some time away from football um, and Paul Rawdon and Russ Cousins were managers at Harrowby at the time. Um, and I signed for them for a pre-season. Um, and I, well, for that season, but I got through pre-season and I still wasn't mentally right for football. Um, I didn't, didn't really want to pursue it anymore. Um, but then I had some time, a bit more time away and I ended up back at Grantham Town and I was playing there for a bit and then I got another another bad injury. And then as it happened, as I got my injury, it was out for a while. Um, Grantham sacked their manager at the time and Paul Rawdon and Russ Cousins came in as managers there. And obviously I was still, still sort of getting over my injury and I was never going to be fit enough to to get us out of the situation that that we were in so obviously me and Paul had a chat and he, he said look you know it's probably time to, to move on thank thank you very much and, and whatnot and then I actually got a message from Mark Fardell um, at the club asking if I fancied Harrowby um, 
So I went for a meeting on the Tuesday with the chairman, Mick um, Atta, and Mark and uh, Simon Jackson. And um, they said, do you fancy taking the reins? There was 14 games left. Um, so I sort of said, well, I can't get injured, because that's one thing I struggled with. I said, I can't get injured uh, by shouting at people from the sidelines. So uh, I took on the took on the role, and it, it was really, really tough, because I never even got to meet the current crop of players that Paul had. A lot of them had left. So players follow managers at the end of the day. Um, so it was quite a difficult, difficult job to drop into with, with never being um, in the UCL previously in my career. So I didn't have contacts in the UCL. Um, and when I actually went through the available players for the team on Saturday, we had two players. So it was a bit of a baptism of fire for me. Uh, so moving away uh, from Harrowby for the time being anyway, and going yeah. uh, moving on to a club what you played for, which was quite close to my hearts as well when I was uh, growing up in my younger teens, and that uh, you played for Boston United between 2014 and 2015, and you played for the Pilgrims playing 44 games and scoring two goals. I guess as a Pilgrim, you're probably best known for being part of a squad that lost in the playoff semi-final to Chorley and it must have been yeah. quite a hard thing especially with the way you lost that game as well yeah I mean I absolutely love my my time there um fans were great with me uh chairman manager everything everything was great about the club um and it was you know it was really going places we had a really good good side and a lot of those players that I played with have moved on to league football now and, and that's credit to them um but yeah I believe I remember rightly, we were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go in the playoff semi-final and we were playing really, really well. Um, and they scored a, um, a goal out of nothing and then a, an incredible bicycle kick with about two minutes to go. Um, took it to extra time and, and ultimately we lost on penalties. And I, I honestly believe if that, if that obviously situation didn't happen, I believe we would have gone on and won it because we had such a good side. And I think we'd have held our own in the in the conference prem. And I think losing that game changed a lot for a lot of players because um, it never quite worked out the following season. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. It was it was hard to hard to take because you're so close to almost going back into full time football. Yeah, um, and. It, yeah, it was. It, that was that was probably the best sort of two years. Because I came, I came in sort of back end of one season, then we had sort of two, another season and a half. So it's, I'd say roughly about a season after two seasons was probably some of the best that I've had in a long, long time. So it was, it was, it was really, you know, it was, it was not very, not very pleasant to lose in the in the semi final. So. Uh... As you said, that Boston United, uh, cool, I think they had another season the year after when they got to the playoffs, and I think they were, I think they lost to North Ferriby in the uh, second leg, uh, losing three two. Yes. But I think after that, I think it really did go downhill, or for a couple of years until Craig Elliott came and kind of steered it, steered the ship in the right direction. But I think yeah. losing players like Carpiagiani, uh, Zach Mills, Dale Southwell that can really sometimes have a negative impact on the squad, especially with how good and how influential they are to the team. Oh, 100%. I mean, they were the spine of your, of your team. Um, Pidge, Garns, um, Dale, 
uh, Millsy. You know, we had players like Rennie Steer, um, great left back. Um, we had Ricky Miller and Mark Newsham as well. Um, so, you know, it was it was a really good side to be involved in. And obviously, there's a few others in there that, that I haven't mentioned, but we had such a strong a strong side, um, and they were young as well. It was a young, energetic group with uh, bits of experience dotted around. And when you lose those sort of players, it's very, very difficult to replace them. And I think I'm seeing that as a manager now, that it's very difficult to replace those sort of players and then gel the new players into the same mould of what your squad already is. Um, so, yeah, it was always going to be a tough ask when, when players like that moved on. I mean, they deserved their moves as well. They were they were standout players week in week out, so they deserved their opportunities at higher levels. Uh, moving on away from Boston United now and going to your career as a whole, I mean, let's go back to the beginning. I mean, how did you get into football? Um, so <laughs> there's always a little story that um, my mum and dad um, tell people. Well, when I was really really young, I used to. Go, they used to take me shopping um, in Grantham. Obviously, I'd only be like six or seven. And I used to pretend to dribble past random people in the aisles and score a goal. And apparently, I was a nightmare. So, something happened at Grantham College where they did a little, like, an hour and a half football thing for, for parents to drop drop the kids off. They can go do a bit of football, a bit of coach, like, be coached and stuff like that. So, that's how that panned out. And I ended up signing for... The chap asked, asked me to play for a team called Melton Foxes when I was about seven. Um, and I'd done, done quite well there. And little did we know that this chap was actually a scout for Forest Academy. So he sent me to, he, he told my dad that he thought, you know, I had enough to go there. And my dad was actually very much against it. He didn't want me to go into an academy because he, he, he didn't think I was sort of, you know, capable in that sense and didn't want me to look look daft. But I went there and, and luckily I had four years there from about the age of eight till till 12. Um, and it didn't work out there. And then one of the coaches from from Forest went over to Notts County and um, he, he rang us up and he said he'd gone to Notts County. Would I come over? So I went there till I was 16. Um, and I suffered with, once I got to about 16, I was suffering quite bad with injuries. And um, it panned out that I was never going to get a, a first year YT or a two year scholarship. So, um, again, one of the other, one of the coaches that, that we knew, um, again, called uh, my dad. He had gone to Mansfield um, and they were handing out YTs, but I had to go for a trial. And luckily enough, I did enough to to earn a scholarship with, with Mansfield. Um, so I had a two-year scholarship there. And unfortunately, I was one of the lucky ones that um, was offered a pro contract and, and got a first-year pro. So I had a good four years at, at Mansfield in total. And it was um, it was really good, actually. It was like probably one of the best times in my career because every every player wants to, to make it as a pro. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get that contract. So you uh, played for Mansfield, uh, you played for Boston and Grantham and Harrowby as well. Are there any other clubs you've played for in your career? Yeah, so I've been at, um, I've been at Corby Town. Um, after it didn't work out at Mansfield, um, I went to Corby Town for Graham Drury. Um, my dad knew him quite well. We'd had a conversation saying that I was, I was 
um, no longer, well, not going to have a, an extension to my contract at Mansfield. So I was, I was free, free to find a club. So we spoke to um, Graham and that was Conference North at the time. I and mean, that was a really good side. There was Leon Metham and uh, Stephen Diggin and people like that, Phil Gulliver, Jason Lee. There was some really good players in in that side. Um, and they had just got prom- When I went to Watford first off, they got promoted from the Southern Prem to the Conference North. Um, and I believe in the first season, we missed out by a point um, on the playoffs. Um, and then from there, I struggled with injuries. Um, quite bad and I ended up going to Grantham from there for a spell and then I, I actually played under Graham again um, after just after Boston I think I think I had half a season with Graham at Stamford and I really enjoyed that there the really good bunch of lads great set up and then I went to Spalding for a bit but the sort of latter stage the last sort of more so since Boston, I got a bad injury in my last season at Boston. And since then, I never really recovered. Um, so injuries have always followed me around. So going into management seemed like <laughs> the safest option for me. So before you uh, got that bad injury, you, of course, mentioned some uh, some top non-league sides. Well, of course, Mansfield is in the football league now as well. I mean, yeah. who are the best players you've played with and against? Um, I would say the player that, that helped me the most when I was coming through at Mansfield was was Jason Lee. Um, he obviously used to play for Forest. Um, but for all his experience, he would talk to you like you were on the same level as him, even though you were a lot younger, a lot greener, if you like. Um, and he would always sort of, you know, tell me what I'm best at. And if I didn't do a certain thing, that he knew I was good at, he would let me know about it. And if he'd question me, why are you doing something like that when you're better at doing doing that, the other thing? So, um, but I'd, I think there was a bit of gain in there for him because he always told me to take the full back on down the outside and put a cross in. So I dare say for six foot seven, Jason Lee, that was his bread and butter. That's probably why he told me to do <laughs> that all the time. But um, no, he was, he was really good. Um, best player I've played against? Um, i tell you who it was, actually. We played um, Leicester City in a reserve game and Danny Cadamatri played up front for Leicester. And for a small, small guy, he was absolutely incredible. He was, he was strong. He was fast. Um, couldn't get near him. Couldn't get near him anywhere. Um, but he was, yeah, he was really good. I mean, off the top of my head, it's hard to, hard to say because played against a lot of like really good players. Um, but I would say... I would say for an experienced pro that's played at the top level, him him and a lad called Joe Mattock. I don't know where he is now, but he was at Leicester at the time and fantastic left wing. I think he ended up at like Sheffield Wednesday or Rotherham or somewhere like that. So I would say those two stood out. Um, and then at Boston, um, we played Solihull and obviously Omar Bogle, who's gone on to do really, really well um, with his career now. Um, I think he's at Portsmouth or somewhere. Um he was he was a standout for for Solihull. So yeah, it's been. I've had some really, you know, I've got some really really good sort of memories of players I played with and, and against. Oh, but of course, uh, you played for a few teams, as we uh, said. Uh, what would you say your uh, best moment is in football? Um, it'd have to be winning the league with Grantham. Um, 
to get them to step three. So the season before we went on a 17th, we were completely out of the out of it. We were about 15th in the league. And we went on a 17 game unbeaten run, burst into the playoffs and actually lost to Russell Olympic 2-0 in the playoff final. Um, the season after we went and romped the league by 11 points. Um, so I would say, because it's so obviously, you know, there's not many, not many players out there that, that, you know, win, win things and win, win leagues or cups. It's one of the hardest things to do. Um, but I would say winning the league with Grantham was probably the, the highlight. Um, obviously getting my pro contract at Mansfield was a highlight as a young boy because you worked so hard for it, but sort of latter years winning that league with Grantham was an incredible, incredible feeling. Of course, as you say, winning the league with Grantham, I mean, to do it uh, with your local club as well, I mean, that must have a place really, that must have a place really special in your heart. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, you know, we had a really good bunch of players. We had um, quite a few local lads and, a, you know, a couple from Nottingham as well, from Newark, but we, we all fought for each other. Um, you know, there was a lot of games that we'd be 2-0 down with 10 to go and we'd win 3-2. Because we just there was a, a there was a strange belief within that squad that it didn't matter who you played, you would win the game. There was not an arrogance about us as well. Some clubs can be quite arrogant in how they do things, but we just had we just had something about us. There was a real togetherness that would get you through games, and and we were hard to beat. We were horrible to play against, but we played some decent football as well. Um, so yeah, that was. It was a really good thing. And obviously, you know, a lot of the fans, I live in Grantham. So, you know, I still bump into them now and, and we talk about it. And, you know, I don't like to see them in the state that they're in at the moment or have been for the last couple of seasons because I've got fond memories of being at Grantham um, and I hope they can turn it around. But, yeah, that was it was it was great to, to go on and win the league. Um, going uh, back to Harrowby now, um of course, you're a player manager, as we've uh, stated earlier in the podcast. I mean, there is quite a few of them who actually play regularly um, in at this level of football. And apart from actually playing on the pitch, are there any other differences between being a player manager and being a normal manager? Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's, it's actually quite difficult to, to shut off being a manager when you're playing because you try and treat the game and, and the occasion, so to speak, as a player. Um, but that's why I think you have a really good backroom staff that know what you like are on the, on the same wavelength as you. So that if, you know, if you do play, you know that everything's covered on that side and you can literally shut off to play. And I do think when I have played, I am able to shut off from the management side of things within reason. Um, you often see man, like player managers, you know, when I'm not playing or there's a, a player manager for an opposition or whatever, and, and you do kind of seem to watch them more than more than others um, because it stands out that they try and manage while they're playing. Um, and it's very difficult to do. I don't believe you can do it. You, you, it's either you've got to just shut off completely for that game or you just manage. There's no, there's no sort of in between, and I think when you get caught in between is when, when you're not going to be able to offer much to the, to your side. 
I mean, of course, it must be really, really hard for you. Of course, uh, you're not also the captain as well on the pitch. I mean, they're supposed to be the ones giving orders, orders, trying to motivate their team when they're losing or even when they're winning as well. I mean, it really must be hard for you. Yeah, I, I would I would say so. I mean, to be fair, I've got a really good skipper. Um, he's he's not shy in giving me a rollicking, to be fair. So uh, it's but that, but at the end of the day, I'm on the pitch as a player. So I I expect my captain, if I'm not doing it, I expect him to, you know, if I'm not performing, I expect him on my case, just like I would expect him with everybody else. Um so to be fair, I think he, I think he, you know he, he does all right with that in that respect because I don't try and manage when I'm on the pitch. Um, I was always a bit of a talker and a bit of a leader anyway. I captain Grantham um, the last time I was there before I joined Harrowby, um, but I've always been quite sort of vocal, but but in the right way, like encouragement. And you've got to encourage players because you don't turn up for a game to get battered every week and shouted at every week. You have to encourage your players. Um, you know, fans do enough of like at every level criticizing players. And at the end of the day, whatever level you're playing at, you're human beings and you don't mean to make a mistake. And if we if players were all how they should, how people want them to be, they'd all be premiership footballers. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it you've got to just constantly encourage. And and like I say, to be fair, our skipper Panda, he's he does encourage, um, pretty much all the time. So, uh, yeah, it's. I don't think he looks at it that um, I don't think he finds it difficult to to still keep his role because I shut off from that management and then obviously when we come to half time I let my my management team say what they need to say because they've seen the game from a different angle to what we see it on the pitch. Yeah, I mean my uh, last question or my last question directly to you about yourself yeah. is. Uh, with yourself being a player manager, I mean, where do you see yourself in 10 to 15 years time? Do you hope to be just like a, just a normal first team manager, maybe managing at a higher level? Um, that's, that's the aim. Um, whether I'm good enough or whether I end up being good enough obviously remains to be seen. Um, but I would certainly like to, to build myself um, a reputation of, of being a good manager. Um, and that means, you know, with ev with whatever club I'm with or, you know, with all players that I sign or speak to or other managers, I, I would like to be considered um, a good manager. Um, I always said that to my management team at the time, when we took Harrowby on with 14 games to go and two players, if we could make something of Harrowby after having to pick it up how we have, then it should stand us in good stead. So... You know, 10 to 15 years, I'd, I'd like to be, you know, a step three manager, uh, step two, and then see where, where we go. If I don't get there, then, it, you know, it's not the end of the world. I can say I, I gave it a, a real good go. But I'm certainly not going to be a, a what-if manager. I'll um, I'll make it happen or I won't make it happen. And I think that's the, that's sort of the only way you can go with it. But I'm, I'm driven to do well. So I'm not going to throw the towel in if, if things get tough. I will I'll always find a way to to come through it. And um, it's all right having purple patches as managers. I don't think that's what makes you a good manager. I think coming out of a bad patch is what makes you a good manager. And it adds to your experience then. So when you're, you know, when you're in a bad spell, finding a way to win and, 
and turning the corner and, and putting a run together. I think that's what makes managers good managers. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, best of luck uh, to you in the future. But uh, now we're going to move on to a topic uh, just before we'll have the football quiz uh, shortly. But there is one more topic I'd like to talk to you about. And this is not really in to do with Lincolnshire football at all. But it is a topic we did actually talk. I actually spoke uh, about with Lewis Forward when he came on the podcast back in October. And that is actually the managerial situation at Watford Football Club. So when I spoke to Lewis back in uh, October, Claudio Ranieri had just uh, been appointed. And of course, he got sacked earlier this week. But the question I want to ask you is not necessarily about the form of Ranieri or any Watford managers, but it's why they keep on swapping and changing their minds with bosses. And ultimately, you could say they don't give them a chance. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think, um, I mean, I don't know how many games he actually had, but it wasn't many. But I think when you're in such a, an elite pressurized situation like that and you're you know you sat third or fourth bottom in the prep I think you've got to give a manager especially when you've brought in a new manager to hopefully get you out of it you can't give him limited time to sort you have to trust his process and, and, and trust him if you if you are going to trust him enough to sign him as your manager make him your manager to get you out of that situation then you have to allow him time to do it um I don't think it was it was a fair thing to do, but then football at that, especially at that level, is a results-based business, um, and they have a lot to. I suppose they have a lot to lose financially now, um, obviously at, at that level. But yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know. I think if you're going to take the time to interview a manager and give him the job and give him that. You know, he's a, he's a proven manager, to be fair to him. He, you know, he's, he's done stuff in the game that, that man, other managers could only dream of. And sometimes in some teams it doesn't work out with. But, yeah, I think he's pretty hard done, hard done to, if I'm honest with you. I think wouldn't hurt. If you're going to say to him, come, come till the end of the season at least and see, you know, try and keep us up, it's... He can't get any fluidity to his to his players, um, and you can't get any sort of togetherness because he's not had not had chance to gel it all together. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I think the point here is it's not the fact that Ranieri. I think he won two out of his fourteen games, and that was against Man United, where he won four one, and Everton, where he won five two. But I think the fact is that since I since when I was born in two thousand and four. Watford have had 21 different managers, which is in, which includes a caretaker manager as well in there. But that is just unbelievable. I mean, if you if you was a Premiership manager, if you if Watford say if they kept in the Premier League and say Roy Hodgson did leave, which I'm not sure if he will do. I mean, in my opinion, if Watford get relegated, I think Roy Hodgson probably will leave, like Allardyce yeah. was from last year. But even yeah. if even if we're in the Championship or the Premier League, if you're a manager, you not particularly want to go to Watford because they're going to run out of choices with managers eventually if they keep on making the same mistake. Oh, definitely. I think you look at that as a job and you say, well, it's a poison chalice. Why would it go anywhere near that with the record they've got of trying to get quick fixes in, not giving them chance to even do anything with their side. And 21 managers in, what, 18 years is just ridiculous. Um, 
So it's, yeah, you just wouldn't touch it. And I, I think that if they do go down, I can't see why, I can't see them coming, definitely not coming straight back up. I think you have to, you have to create a good structure um, and they don't seem to have that because you, if you did, you wouldn't replace your managers so frequently. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I said, I completely agree with everything you just said there. And I'm sure I'll probably have another chat about probably the next Watford manager probably later on in the year. But uh, we are going to move on and go on to the uh, one of the more recent additions to the podcast, and that is the Football Pub Quiz. So every week, I each guest takes on a 10-question quiz, five on uh, questions on Lincolnshire uh football and then and the other five on football general knowledge as i said there's 10 questions there's a leaderboard on twitter as well and uh you will be timed i mean are you up for taking it on yeah i'll take it i'm not sure how well i'll do but i'll give it a whirl why not i mean the highest score is so far is eight out of ten that was martin bond who's head of football at deep in rangers but the quickest time we've had so far was alan ross who was on last week's the Bontan assistant manager, he answered him in one minute and 35, but he only got seven out of 10. So ideally it can help if you get a lot of questions, right? And also a decent time as well. Right. So okay. I'll, all you need to do is I'll say the questions and then you just say the answer straight back to me. Yeah. No so problem. Your time, well, I'm ready when you are. Yep. So your time starts now. So... Question one, which team plays at Eslaford Park? Sleaford. Question two, which team is nicknamed the Knights? Uh, Pinchback. Question three, Herbie Panting plays for which club? Oh, I've just seen this on Twitter. Um, oh, I'll have to pass, I've seen it though. Question four, what is the nickname of Skegness Town? No idea. Question five. Riley Thompson plays for which club? Boston Town. Question six to ten, I remember, are on Football General Knowledge. Question six. Which championship manager has recently turned down the Everton job? Wayne Rooney. Question seven. Who is second in the Premier League at the moment? Liverpool. Question eight. Who is the manager of Peterborough United? Um, is it Ferguson? No, I don't think it is. Don't know. Question nine. Harrogate Town play in which league? League two. And question ten. What is the nickname of Brentford? The Bees. And that is your time. You did that in one minute and 37 seconds. And that is just two seconds off Alan Ross, what he uh, got last week. So that's uh, not a bad attempt there. So we will go... I don't hold out much hope that I got many, though. <laughs> <laughs> we will go through uh, the answers. So question yeah. one, which team plays at Esleford Park? The answer is Sleaford Town. You got that yeah. one right. Question two, which team is nicknamed the Knights? The answer, Pinchbeck. Question three, this is a question you passed on. 
question three, Herbie Panting plays for which club? The answer was Bourne Town. Uh, so that's why that's why I saw it on Twitter because uh, the team sheet was on Twitter. We played them the other day. That's why. Uh, question four: What is the nickname of Skegness? You pass on that one as well. The answer is the Lily White. And question five: Riley Thompson plays for which club? You got this one right. That was Boston Town. Question six to ten on just on playing football general knowledge. Question six, which championship manager has recently turned down the Everton job? You said Rooney, and that's correct. Question seven, who is second in the Premier League? The answer was Liverpool. Now, question eight was, who is the manager of Peterborough United? You did end up passing on that one, and that was your final answer. But you was yeah. right when you did say Ferguson. Oh, it is Darren Ferguson, but unfortunately, oh, the, the rules do say that the final answer is <laughs> so. Yeah. You was quite close, though. Uh, yeah. Question nine, Harrogate Town playing which league? The answer, League Two, which you got right. And question 10, the nickname of Brentford, another one you got right, and that was the Bees. So oh, not too well, bad, then. No, you didn't too, do bad at all. The ones you didn't pass on, you actually did get all right. So that's not a bad score, if you look at it that way. Seven out of ten. Yeah. I believe you're third on the leaderboard, just... Two seconds off Alan Ross from Bourne, but that's still not a bad attempt. That Ferguson one's killed me then. <laughs> yeah, and if you had got that one right, if you had got that one right, you would have actually gone top of the leaderboard as well. Yeah. Oh, well, nearly. So close yet so far. <laughs> <laughs> so that is all we've got time for on this week's Lincolnshire Non-League Radio podcast. Uh, thanks to, for Jamie for coming on. Any final words, Jamie? No, um, no, all good from me. Thank you. Wish everybody, wish everybody the best competing for the rest of the season on promotions and and all them in the you know in the relegation zone. I hope you uh, turn your seasons around and, and get out of it, um, and look forward to next season. Of course, and best of luck to Harrowby for the end of the season. I'm sure we'll probably get there before uh, the end of the season. And actually, this is an interesting stat here. What Darren did tell me the other day. Every time we've covered Harrogate, we've covered them five times and they're the only team to win all the games what we've covered them. So that is a decent stat there. Well, you'll have to keep coming every home game then. Make sure we get in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but once again, thank you, Jamie, for joining me. We do have some upcoming commentaries which will be announced on Twitter. Remember, our Twitter is at League Radio. And next week on the Lincolnshire Nongi Radio podcast, we'll be joined by someone from Spalding United. And that will also be confirmed on Twitter in the week. But once again, thanks to Jamie for joining me. And thank you for you people for listening. Uh, I'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>